It's been encouraging. Thanks so much, Mike, for sharing your heart with us this morning. I uh, definitely appreciate him sharing his life with us. And uh, for me, I always look at things half full. Uh, maybe the Lord didn't want me to preach as long today, so amen. Uh, I'm going to make it count this morning. Definitely appreciate the spirit using Mike. Uh, Mike and I and Alden Dowries and Dale Bullison and I have really been working and talking about uh, financial peace. And uh, 2015, uh, put your seatbelts on. It's going to be a great year of growth. Uh, but it's going to be a great year of dealing and helping you get out of debt and helping empower the church in a great way to really look at money the way God looks at money and really help us in great ways. I've got to put something over here. You know, uh, anyone a visual learner? I'm a, I'm a very visual learner, so it helps when I see things. I'm going to close out my lesson with something I believe will help all of us. Get a better understanding of our lives and get a different perspective of our lives mm. and the way God has plans for our lives and the way that things are happening. I hope uh, this finds you uh, having a great week with God. I pray this uh, week uh, and this morning has already found you uh, having a great encouraging time. I know the videos have moved me. Uh, it's so encouraging seeing uh, you know, Mike share his stories. It's so encouraging to see uh, a visual example of a couple uh, who's been blessed by God for someone to pay off their debt. And maybe this morning you're going, I'm not in debt. It doesn't matter. The way we look at money is an area that we need to grow in as a church. Amen? Uh, the perspective that we have with money and the perspective that the world bombards you with daily is that you got to have Capital One. It's got to be Bank of America. It's got to be Citibank. No, it's got to be God's money and you be a great steward of God's money. And so this morning, you might kind of want to kick off just the vision that we have in 2015 as a church, I really believe it's not. It's important for us not to pass the tray if there's not enough money in the offering plate. And amen, you know what I'm talking about. Mm. You've been to churches, you've heard things. Well, we don't have enough. Let's play, take another collection. Yeah. I really believe it's stop. We got to stop talking about giving more money, but being more wise with the money that God's given. Amen. Yeah. That's right. And I really believe it's going to help us in 2015 to have some momentum in the personal life to really be able to invest in ourselves. And whatever the cost is, we're going to talk about that. The financial peace and momentum as a church in 2015, I guarantee you will grow spiritually, you will grow financially, and God will do incredible blessings in your life. Uh, this past Saturday was a great chance for this toy drive. All the toys were delivered to Tijuana the Orphanage. Uh, we'll be sharing a video next Sunday. Uh, May and I got a chance, as long as as well as Jennifer Ochoa, to go to Children's Hospital yesterday. And uh, you'll see a video next Sunday as well to talk about that. But this morning... I want to say a prayer, and I want to jump right into a lesson that I think is important for all of us in the holiday season. And not just during Christmas, but in our own lives personally. So let's pray, and uh, let's get into the word of the Haggai. If you find the book of Matthew, take a left turn, three books. Right. There you go. <laughs> let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the message already that Mike shared from his heart. We thank you for all of welcoming us. We thank you for the songs already that are sung. We thank you for the words that I get a chance to share out of the book of Haggai. I pray that... We would uh, disarm any insecurities or fears or anxieties that we have in our own hearts, that we would really be humble to your word this morning. That help us learn from your scriptures, help us embrace the scriptures this morning. I pray that you would really be with those that aren't here this morning. That we would not see them, but we would encourage them. That we would pray for them and continue to really reach out to them to really aspire to help us be more and more like Christ. God, help us live out our faith by loving like Christ. Help us remember we're imperfect people following a perfect Savior. And Father, we're so grateful this morning for Jesus. We thank you. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. You know, if any of you are a uh, history buff or, or look at things or, or, or read books, I love reading books as well as Mike. Come on, Doug. And uh, what you can learn from the great, the most important book is the Bible. 
Now it's kind of interesting. It's the most published book, the most purchased, That's but the least read. <laughs> I find that kind of interesting. Uh, and I only say that because that's my life before I met Christ in 1994. I had a Bible with the pictures and the things highlighted, but I never read it. Yeah. Amen. As Christians, this church, we are a church that reads the Bible. Amen? Well. And we obey what the Bible says because we know when we follow Jesus, the perfect Savior, we'll have a life that will please God. You know, first things first is my lesson title this morning. And we'll be reading Haggai chapter 1. And there's a book, maybe maybe some of you have read by Stephen Covey, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. Or there's a book, maybe read by Ian Gray, and it's a book called The Common Denominator of Success. And the thing that we all have in this room is a common denominator. We all want to be successful. We all have aspirations to be our best. And you know, Stephen Covey wrote a book that really transformed my life as a young minister. In 1995, I picked up the book. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and Highly Successful People. And I was so enamored because he talked about things that I had to unleash in my own life. And the thing that we learn as a Christian is that our life, guys, is not easy. And the life that you're living is the life that you have. So stop complaining about your life and make the best of it. Amen? When someone gives you lemons, make lemonades. Don't complain about, well, I don't have what they have. I understand, but you are you and you are not them. And the thing that we've got to look at every day, you wake up in the morning, you see somebody. You. And we have to work on us. And we have to really be able to be, how can we talk about getting out of debt if we're still in debt? Amen? In my book, it's called Hypocrisy, and I lived that for 24 years of my life. I called myself something I didn't live out. I thought I was a good Christian based on the world standard, not on God's word standard. And really this morning, I want to encourage us. The book of Haggai is a short book, two chapters. And what I've learned and what it communicates is a message putting first things first. We've got to prioritize our life. Because, guys, if we don't take control and prioritize our life, your life will control you. And maybe some of you this morning, you have your seatbelt on, you're going through life, and you're allowing life's challenges to dictate your life. When, in fact, you take possession of your life, you take control of your life. And Stephen Covey talks about that principle. And we're going to talk about, you know, with successful people, the common thread is they've understood that a failure in different parts of their life. And success is only a momentary mindset that you can change today. Kind of like a few weeks back, we talked about repentance. And the book of Haggai, you know, for time's sake, you can't get deep into the book of Haggai. But if you look at the next slide, it's a great slide. I put my sermons out online. You can see these slides. It's a great message because Haggai comes in and he preaches his first message in Haggai 1. And he helps God's people remember with Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, we've been studying out. They came back and they left Babylon to come to Jerusalem to build up the temple. And so Haggai's here and he, his first message is chapter 1. Talking about, hey, how are we doing? How are we going to build up the temple? And then for a good month, in about 15 weeks, nothing happens to the temple. And then 15 years comes along and nothing happens to the temple. But then chapter 2 and 3 comes along and Haggai is going to come in and save the day. And so for time's sake, take some time outside. I email my lessons. I post them on our website. Please make yourself familiar with the website. You can listen to the audio version of the lessons as well. Please take some time to really dig into that passage and you can dig into the book. But for time's sake, we're not going to look at that slide anymore. Turn to the next slide. So Haggai chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 1 through 9. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, 
and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panel houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways, church. Go up into the mountains, bring down timber, and build a house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I've called for a drought on the fields, this is the Lord, and on the mountains of the grain, the new wine, the old, and whatever the ground produces on many cattle, and on the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Isn't that a cycle of life in your own life? We are caught up not doing what we should be doing. And then you kind of wake up, and God allows you to be reached out to, and you start to read the Bible, and you start to get perspective of your life. And, man, I'm watching more TV, I'm eating more food, but I'm, I don't feel God's pleasure in my own life. Yeah. And it's not ironic that you go through those cycles of life, because that's just the way life is. You know, but we need to understand how to be successful. And God has a great plan for us how to be successful and how to grow in our own characters. And what the scripture here is trying to help us understand, as we go through life, guys, you're going to come through challenges. And you're going to need to listen to the voice of the Lord. Not your own voice, because your own voice got you to the condition you're at right now. Right. That's why I always say, you know, your wisdom is so limited. Yep. And it's all, it's all hindsight and perspective, because, see, maybe you're not happy with your life. Well... Who got yourself to the point you're at in your own life? You did. So you need some wisdom. You need some perspective. And the one thing that God's people here had to realize is Haggai was like, hey, dude, listen to the Lord. Here you are building things. You're not building God's house. Your house has no has no issues and no, no grass and no weeds growing. But the temple of the Lord is, has been abandoned. And we have to have to understand, guys, we always have to have priorities and perspective in our own lives. And there's some things that we can learn from this two-chapter book and some practicals. And i got four points that I want to really briefly share with us to understand. The first point, in our own lives, you got to stop making excuses. I mean, let that marinate in your brain. Just let that sit for a little bit. You know, what we do naturally in our sinful nature, we blame others. And we make excuses why we're not what we should be doing. And we allow our job to control. Well, you know, if I do that if, if my job allowed me. Well, you know what? God is bigger than your job. Maybe maybe God could give you a better job. And maybe that's what God's trying to tell you is to lose that job instead of losing your salvation. Amen. Come on, bro. You know, you have to stop making excuses. That's right. Yeah. My God is bigger than your situation and challenge. Right. See, my God is greater than the obstacles that you're facing. Yes. If you just get perspective with your own life, 
and stop making excuses. Haggai chapter 1 verse 2. How do we know this? This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Excuses. Well, I'm not ready, you know. No. It's, it's, it's just not time right now. I'm not feeling it. I'm not with you. You know, Haggai, that's great. And I mean, if you ask the people, they'd say, well, I'm all for building a temple. Haggai, it's a great cause. But God wants me to take care of my own family right now. Okay? They might say, you know, times are hard right now. You don't understand the predicament I'm in. You know, Haggai, it's tough. You know, we traveled a thousand miles to get here from Babylon. I just don't think, how do we know that it's time, Haggai? Our nature is we make excuses. Well, you don't understand my job. No, I don't. But who gave you the job? God. Yeah. So have we forgotten him? Yeah. Or have we followed as our job to come God? And not to provide a love job. Mm. We need to pray more about things that we see. You know, they, they begin, as anyone does, they make excuses. What's the next slide? Man, this quote hit me like a ton of bricks. Save the excuses. It's not about having time. It's about making time. Because if it matters, you will make time. See, if it really matters to you, you'll make the time necessary. It's always easy to make excuses when you don't want to obey God. Or when things get tough. But we're not guaranteed that things are going to be nice and rosy in a walk at Disneyland. It's not going to be that easy. It's not that rosy and jovial as a Christian. But our responsibilities don't change. As a Christian, your first and foremost important responsibility is God being number one. Amen. Come on, preacher. Stop making excuses. Because what I've learned is God must be a priority. See, when I became a Christian, I said something that a lot of us said. Jesus is Lord. Remember that? So if Jesus, he's got to be Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Remember, you made the claim that Jesus is Lord. Come on, bro. The second thing I've learned from this lesson here in Haggai is that we got to cease to be selfish. We have as a church cease to be selfish. Guys, you know how I can relate to you? Because I'm a sinner just like you. And I have struggles just like you. When I share these things, you know why I know what you're going through? Because I go through the same struggles. But we need to cease to be selfish. Haggai chapter 1, verse 3. Then the word of the Lord, I, I love it, it's just the word of the Lord, came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panel houses while this house remains a ruin? You know, panel houses could mean a variety of things. But the point was, stop focusing on, on your own home and let's focus on God's home. Because God is the God who's going to provide for your own home. Please understand, there's nothing wrong with having a nice home. Amen, church? I'm not saying let's be gypsies and live on the streets and be irresponsible. My thing that I'm talking about is a ministry. And it's not wrong to have aspirations to have a home. But the indictment is that God's people's priorities were backwards. Because they were focused on their own home and not God's home. They were focused on what they wanted and not understanding that they had to focus on what God desired. You know, there's a song by William Cowper. He's a, a hymn writer. And the song goes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You know, we can wander and struggle. But how dare we leave God? Come on, bro. Cease to be selfish. Practice Luke 9. 
about denying yourself because then your needs will be met. A third point that I can learn from this passage, cease being selfish. The third one is we have to don't miss God's blessings. Guys, this is huge. Because if you look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 5. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Again, a reminder. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but you have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. Your earned wages only put them in a purse with holes in it. See, they sowed plenty of seed, but they don't reap the rewards. You have to understand, maybe the way I'm doing things and the way I'm going about it is not pleasing to God. Maybe I should change my perspective. Maybe I should change my behavior. Because if you're getting the same results and you're doing the same thing, that's borderline insanity. So maybe you've got to change your perspective and understand we can't miss God's blessings. And the only way I've known, I've learned in my own faith is a passage in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And the passage is simple. And you go, well, Doug, that's kind of like you're putting a band-aid on a bleeding aorta. No. Here's the principle. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. When I was a young Christian and I heard this passage, I bought in. <laughs> I wasn't a full-time pastor. I wasn't a full-time minister. I just said, you know what? Okay, God. You say, seek first the kingdom, I'm in. And is it ironic that once I'm in, and I'm all in, that the blessings come? Look at your own life. Get perspective. And the last thing I think is really interesting throughout the whole passage, but the fourth thing that I find really rather interesting, is it says something really key. We've got to take time to evaluate. You know, time is of the essence, church. And I, I know you have a little bit of it. Hebrews, I mean, Haggai chapter 1, verse 5. It says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. All I want us to do this morning is strictly to do what? Take time to evaluate where you're at with God. Go on. Consider where you're at. Consider the needs. Consider what's going on. Because I really believe, church, when we stop making excuses, when we cease to be selfish, and when we seek God's blessings, and we take time to evaluate things, then God can work in our lives. Now, also, the flip side is true. God can still work in your life if you don't make him a priority. Trust him. He will knock on your door during the holidays. If you want to avoid God, trust me. He will knock. He will send voices and angels. He will send people to say, hey, I read the Bible. What? Because God can move anywhere. And God can take you and you and you out of your circumstances. If we just understand that life is so short. Hmm. And I want to close with this. this I want to close with this example. We can hear And I think a lot of us can relate to what I'm going to share because it relates to me. It's something I learned in principle. You know, when you only have one life, (laughs) it's a picture, Glenn, just so you, I know you can't see it. 
We all have one life. And in life, we've got priorities. <laughs> we've got priorities that should be the big rocks of our lives. And there should be things that we make a priority in our life. And I've learned that God must be one of the big rocks in my life. I've learned that prayer must be important in my life. I've learned that reading my Bible must be important in my life. I learned that fellowship is really important in my life. I learned that confession is a big rock in my life. Amen. I've learned my responsibility as being a husband is a huge responsibility in my life. So we, in our lives, we've got big rocks. And also in our life, we've got little rocks. Little things that we have to do, tasks, to-do lists, bills to pay. And we've also got some things that fill our schedule. Like sand. These are things that we kind of fill in the cracks of our life. And we've also got to understand we need some water in our life. So there's different ways of going about your life. And you can, you know, put all the, you know, all the important things first. You can put your life and your bills or your family and your priorities. But I've learned first thing is first in life. We've got to be able to put the big rocks in our life first. How many rocks do you get in your own? Yeah. Now I've also learned you got to have those other responsibilities. you got to put in your life. Is it full? No. Nope. Is your life full yet? No. Nope. Okay. And I also learned we have different things that fill in the gaps. Yeah. Oh, your to-do list. Oh, my Christmas make a, list. Make a good smoothie. All those things I got to get done. Oh, that project got work. <laughs> City. <laughs> 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 Which is already in there. That's just a little small rocks. Is it full? No. And what I've learned is we all need some water. In our life. Number one, to cleanse our sin. Amen. Amen. And to give us peace and tranquility. And what I've learned is if I started with just putting the water in first, or put in the sand first, I wouldn't have enough room. I think a lot of us, we don't put the big rocks in first. Well, I don't have time to walk with God today. I just, you know, I'm busy. I've got a job. I've got to pay bills. And, and you can't seem to get the big rocks back in. So putting first things first, church, this holiday, moving forward, let's make God a priority, amen? Amen. If we don't put God in first, and the big rocks in first, everything else is going to fight for control and power. Amen. 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 Amen.